nothing for this. What is nothing? Hey, now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. Hey, welcome to That's Deep, bro. I'm your host, Christina P. Thanks for downloading this episode. Dudes, I think we're going to get super deep on it. Super. This episode, I have a feeling, is going to be the deepest yet. You guys are going to you guys are gonna be like, uh, I got my entire life on this episode. I got so deep that I went back to being goth. And it's just going gonna, gonna to blow your mind up. All right. Well, first, let's get to some business. Very important. I'm touring. Uh, limited basis, guys. One night only. I ain't fucking around. I ain't doing four nights in a fucking city, uh, sitting in a hotel room wanting to blow my brains out all day. But I'm doing some of my favorites. I'm starting in Seattle, September 27th. That the uh, well, it's Tacoma. Let's be honest. The Tacoma Comedy Club, <laughs> September 28th, Portland, Oregon, at Helium. Uh, October 4th, Dallas, at Hyenas. October 5th, Houston, Tejas at The Secret Group. Shh, it's a secret. October 23rd, Indianapolis at Morty's Comedy Club. October 24th, Cincinnati, Ohio. Go Bananas. And then December 9th and 10th, Washington, D.C. Don't you hate when people say that shit? Washington, D.C. at the D.C. Improv. What what an extraordinary list of places. I'm, I'm super stoked to be doing this. I, uh, I, I like I miss the road, but only in the way I want to do it. That's what I've decided. I just I do shit the way I want to now because I ain't got time. I ain't got time to fuck around. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? You know what I'm talking about? I ain't got time to fuck around no more. I'm a grown ass woman. Uh, I got a baby. I got to get my entire life together. I got to prioritize. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's um. I was watching Revenge of the Nerds, my favorite movie of all time. All the great truths of life are in Revenge of the Nerds. You know why? Because I heard them on Stern. Um, the guy that played the head nerd. What's his fucking... Why is that beeping? What is that doing? Okay. Uh, you know, the, the main nerd, whose name I can't remember, of course, and Booger, they were on Stern talking about how to play their characters. And what I thought was really clever is they're like, yeah, we didn't play it. Like, we knew we were nerds. We played it straight. Like we didn't know, which is even funnier, right? To play it sincere, to give the characters depth and um, and love. I, now I have to look up, and I want to say Arvin, but I know that's from um, a diff. That's from that stupid TV show where there was a nerd. Remember that TV show, Head of the Class? <laughs> so dumb. All right, uh, this is just so annoying. So annoying. Oh, anyways, I'm gonna look it up. Oh, Lewis, duh. Lewis and Gilbert, those are the two, the two main nerds. Okay, so anyway, there's one part where they're, uh, the jocks are, are uh, blowing fireballs <laughs> in their house and the song is playing in the background. But they sped it up, which is really weird. Here, let's get into this song. Let's start from there. <laughs> Wherever I want to. It's my fucking show. I'll start in the middle of the song. Oh, 
love this song. Talking Heads are the coolest, right? God damn. That David Burns like the coolest dude on the planet. You know, he was really into Bossa Nova music, as am I, and did like a Bossa Nova album. Yeah. That's what's up, David Burns. All right. Talking Heads, guys. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, you know what? I'm actually having a pretty good week. I, I was like, what am I going to get deep on this week? Because I'm just kind of enjoying my life and you know, living and, you know, you have those weeks. Last week was heavy because I had a major uh, life-shattering emotional breakthrough where I realized that I had been a selfish turd my entire life and that I didn't know the meaning of love and my capacity for love was uh, severely stifled. But um, so now my my love door is is open, so to speak, and I uh, it's changed me. I think I've shifted. I think I've changed. I think I've uh, turned a corner in my life. I don't know... I don't know what this means. I just know that I'm a little happier. I'm a little more grounded. Um, I'm enjoying my kid a lot more. I'm enjoying my husband a lot more. And I'm being, I'm a little more forgiving of others. It's so weird. Like now that I know what it is to uh, create a person and love a person from scratch, so to speak, like I just, I can't, I don't hate people as much as I used to, which kind of sucks in a way because like I, I really enjoy judging people on superficial shit. And now that I'm all enlightened and stuff, it's like harder for me to, to hate people for arbitrary reasons or like, uh, it's really hard for me to resent my parents as much as I'd like to. Um, you know, my dad came over and eh, come on, we all know I've got I had mom issues and now I got the dad issues. That's just how it goes. And, um, he was telling me this is this is so fucking amazing. I, I can't even I, I can't even I don't have, I don't think I've talked about this on your mom's house yet. I don't remember if we did or not. But uh, Ellis is nine months old and he's running in circles in his little toy. And my dad looks at him and goes, uh, "You know, pretty soon uh, you're gonna have to hit him." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, kids they turn into toddlers. They get out of hand, and uh, sometimes you got to hit the kid. You gotta, you gotta hit him. And <laughs> it goes, yeah, it's true. I remember uh, Dr. Tony Grant was even talking about this, how sometimes kids, it's good for them to give them a little smack. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and in my head, I'm like, what? Are you out of your fucking mind? And then the other part of me regretted not having a recorder around just to record the absolute uh, lunacy that I grew, grew up with and continue to hear as an adult. And now that I'm a grown up too, you're just like, wait, what? You fucking, you raised me, dude. You're like, you're just, you're a wild animal. You're an animal. You're not a person. It's just generational. And I'm sure my son's going to look at me and be like, you and dad are just a-holes. What is this with the farting and and the shitting talk all the time. You guys are just idiots. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So my my father was explaining how I've got to I've got to start hitting my kid uh, eventually because he's he's gonna get out of line, which is so funny to me because like look, my kid's still a baby. He's becoming a toddler soon. I know that I know the tantrums are coming. They're starting already. And but I don't take that shit personally. It's not like he's doing it to spite mom. <laughs> Right? Little kids just kind of, they're confused. He doesn't know how to communicate. He can't talk yet. He has wants and needs that aren't being met at the moment, and he loses his shit. And is it frustrating? Yeah, but dude, I don't even hit my dog. I'm probably not going to hit my child. 
<laughs> I don't hit my, my husband. I don't hit uh, anybody. No, nobody. There's nobody that I hit in my life ever to resolve something. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to take that parenting lane. But the point being, um, so that, that statement was like the comedic one of many just troubling things that he says regularly to me. And, uh, but it changed for me, you know, I usually get enraged and then I take it to my shrink and then we go over, uh, the feelings about it and this and that. But like, I'm telling you, I had this moment where like, I looked over at him and I couldn't even, I couldn't bring myself to be indignant or upset about the lunacy. I just, I, I remembered something that Louise Hay says, you know, Louise L. Hay. I don't know if you've ever listened to her. I cannot recommend her stuff enough. If you want a wonderful entry point into a lot of spiritual self-help stuff, it is very, um, you know, airy fairy. There's a lot of talk about, you know, obviously feelings and self-love and all this. So I was reluctant to get into her, but I, I ended up going down the Louise L. Hay rabbit hole and I listened to Hay House Radio. It's online. You can download the app and you get to hear all these people talk about, you know, wooey stuff all day. And I just fucking love it. But so Louise L. Hay, um, she basically started, I think, this whole, her and Marianne Williamson were around in like the 80s, the beginning of this whole self-help movement in Los Angeles around the time that the um, AIDS epidemic hit and nobody you know it it hit the gay community and so these two women were really trying to help out uh this the community and and um and they they saw a lot of people die and it's really fucked up it was really fucked up for both of them anyway one of them went on to become a millionaire publisher and the other one marianne too did books and but she speaks live and does more live events is what i gather the two different careers uh and louise hay was really traumatized as a child and was molested and abused and just horrific. You know, she's an older lady, so she's from a generation where that stuff was really normal. I mean, talk about hitting your kids. That was like the norm for her. And she really, really comes from a place of like, Hey man, I've been through everything, but I've transcended I've healed. I have love in my heart. And you know, her whole mission is to help other people deal with the same feelings of trauma, abandonment, whatever it is that you're dealing with. So she has this wonderful thing. It's like on uh, iTunes, you can download it morning and evening meditations. Oh my God. Oh no, no, it's not that one. It's called what I believe by Louise L. Hay. Okay. Download this audiobook, and, uh, there's a meditation at the end of it it's called what I believe and like a deep relaxing meditation. And I used to do this on airplanes when I was traveling a lot more. And I just, I love this one line where she, she helps you kind of forgive your parents by, uh, she goes, imagine your parents being small children, four year old children and looking for love and they're crying and they're scared and see that you can see the tears running down their face is what she says. And like, you know, the first time I heard that, I was like, what the fuck? I got to get out. I, I, I got to get my life. Something's wrong with me, right? That I'm listening to this, this horse shit. But uh, what happened was I listened to her more and more. And uh, where's Dan Pena? Why isn't he? I want to know why you're all fucked up. There you go. And I, I was, I was uh, 
listening to her more and more and it made sense. I was like, uh, and over time, it took me about three years and now I'm able to look at my parents or anybody really that's giving me, that's troubling me and just look at them as a four-year-old scared child, which is a gay man. Hey man, aren't we all just scared little children looking for love? And that really helps me. So there you go. Louise Hay, it's called What I Believe and a Deep Meditation After. And I'm telling you, everything she says is really basic shit. Not basic, but uh, she breaks it down Uh. in easy peasy pieces. So the shit makes sense, basically. There you go. There you go. Uh, what else? I was uh, on Madonna's Instagram feed this week. I just think Instagram is my absolute favorite social media platform because you want to know what's up with someone. You want to know what somebody values. You want to know how they view themselves. Look at their Instagram account. Look at the lunacy. Look at the narcissism. Look at the love. Look at the the pimping of, of people's kids for likes. And I'm talking about, I'm not talking about non-celebrity people. If you're a celebrity and the, your kids are on like everything, you're doing it for likes, dude. Like, come on, you're a fucking piece of shit. Stop it. Stop it. If you're, if you're not in show business and you put your kids up, obviously that's like, I think pretty normal. Cause who else is looking at your stuff? Like your family, but man, I can't, I can't take that shit. Like for likes, dude. Okay. So, uh, Madonna's on there and like, she's just so um you know i grew up with madonna i get get your life i grew up listening to her from the time i was you know i learned what the word virgin meant because of like a virgin a video and song and album and and i you know fuck she totally formed part of who i am i think just because i listened to this i mean now i guess lady gaga is the big madonna of today or whatever maybe beyonce yeah maybe Beyonce more i don't know uh, but back then, that bitch was a bad bitch. Let me tell you, she broke down some barriers. She was singing about stuff that was really stupid on the one hand, but also kind of interesting and subversive. And, you know, she pimped out sexuality for women in a new way, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it's funny. She's basically a gay man. Like when you, when I watch her and I watch her attitude, like even how she talks, I'm like, bitch, you talk like a gay dude. Like You're just a gay man, which is hilarious. And, and, and she's done a lot for uh, the gay community, but whatever. Um, but it's funny cause she has four children that she pimps out constantly on her Instagram. And, uh, and I'm like, how the fuck does this bitch have four kids? And they all got different daddies, you know, two are adopted. And then she from Africa and then she got Rocco and Lourdes. I don't know who the fuck Lourdes is some Puerto Rican guy's the dad. And then Rocco is some security guard, I think. I don't fucking remember, but I'm like, you know, she's like, I'm a mom. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, when, when's the last time you fucking changed a diaper, bitch? What are you talking about? Like, I don't even know how people that famous have children or have multiple children. Like, what? What, what are you saying? Like, what you spend, you wake up at six in the morning w- with your babies and you go into the nursery like us regular people and you fucking diaper them and you wipe shit and you know they have they tantrum and you try to feed them and put them down for nap you're doing that madonna okay there's no way right like there's just got to be uh nanny after nanny after nanny like on multiple shifts if you're if you're a nanny and you've worked for a super famous person will you write in and just let me know how these super famous people do it because there's no way you know she's doing any of that crap 
These, these are raised by nannies. Thank you. I think so, right? It has to be. You can't be Madonna. Could you imagine Madonna changing a diaper? <laughs> I'm Madonna, bitch. No. Get your life. All right, so that's what I had on that. Let's, uh, oh, it's so interesting. Let's get started. I, uh, I got, you guys really wrote some um, really thought-provoking emails this week. It's, it's kind of cool because I'm in, a, I'm in a, a mellow yellow place, right? I'm in a chill place right now, which is good because I can answer your heavier emails. I think it's good that I am this way so that it allows you guys uh, to be super deep. I tried pausing it, and that did not work. Hold on. I have to pee, though, so press pause. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, I'm back. I peed, guys. Magic. The magic of not television. Here we go. So let me start with, I mean, let's do Let's do a little, shit, I, I really hope I'm not duplicating. I, you know, I, sometimes I record these episodes, and they get lost, and I do something, I do an episode and then I have to re-record it for whatever horrible reason. Let's not jinx today's, but okay. Got this email and I really hope, sorry guys, I don't remember if I've answered this before, forgive me. Uh, okay. This person writes in that, that you know, they've uh, been depressed and one reason why I never tried to get help with my depression is because I honestly think I wanted to stay depressed. That probably sounds weird, but when I tried to be happy and outgoing and social, it felt fake. I felt fake. When I was actively trying to be happy, I was trying to be something that just wasn't me. I remember taking a creative writing class in college, and one assignment was to write a personal essay, and I wrote about feeling addicted to my depression. Hmm, hmm, hmm. As weird as it sounds, I've always felt comfortable wallowing in my own sadness. Have you ever felt that way? I know a lot of artistic creative people have that weird thing uh, where they think if they're not fucked up, they won't be as good. Like the depression is the fuel for any talent they may have. And if they're happy, then the talent goes away. Maybe that's what I was doing. Uh, I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. That's the old end all shit. Who gives a fuck? There you go. Um, Yeah. Well, okay, let's let's break it down. First of all, you know, I don't think that it's necessary that you be depressed in order to be creative. I think that's a, a huge myth. I think that it's easier to access the truth when you're depressed. At least for me, like I know that I tend to write better jokes when I'm kind of bummed out or angry because I just, it's there. It's on the surface how I really feel about stuff. And for me, that's like the way to go. And um yeah, truth is more accessible a little bit when you're not skipping <laughs> and petting puppies and rainbows, but I don't think it's a necessary condition of creativity. And I think it, that is true that people get really addicted to depression and to feeling like shit because it's comfortable, right? It's the default setting for a lot of people. Um, but what that does is actually, I think, hold you back from experiencing a lot of cool stuff and from feeling stuff because. You know, I've always said that I think happiness is a terrible goal. I think that is the American nonsense of a Coke and a smile and that you should always pursue happiness. I don't, I I think that's silly. I think that there's contentment. I think that contentment um, is what I strive for and peace and um, not necessarily not to not be actively depressed, but to 
to seek balance, I think, is my, I don't know, you know, but that's bullshit. I mean, look, some of the most talented people are happy motherfuckers. Look at Jerry Seinfeld is happy as shit. Um, trying to think of other comedians. Oh, Brian Regan is like one of the biggest. He seems pretty happy. Um, Joe Rogan, hello. One of our great friends is a pretty happy dude. Tom Segura, my husband, a pretty happy dude. Me, overall, I'd say I'm a pretty happy dude. Um, but yeah, uh, that's, and it is addictive. I mean, if you look at it and I've, I've always found this in workplaces that people are really addicted to misery in offices. Like they love, it's like a badge of honor to be in a shitty mood when you work in certain environments. <laughs> like I used to, I was like, why, why are you motherfuckers working here? If y'all hate it so much, like, uh, another day, another dollar. And they always have these horrible sayings and cliches to justify uh, the low frequency, low fucking goal having nonsense of their lives. Oh, y'all, you know, it's the old everyday. And you're like, what are you doing? Then if you hate your job and you hate your life, then fucking change it. Um, yeah. Oh, and also, yeah, if you're actively trying to be happy and it's just not there for you, don't force it. Of course, you're going to feel like a big phony. Some people just are not. I, I think I think there's some study on happiness, and I've done an episode on happiness with Greg Fitzsimmons, uh, is that there's just a baseline happiness level for most people that they're born with, and then you can increase it, you know, by whatever percentage, blah, blah. But, uh, but I think to force it, of course you feel phony, because it's, it's retarded, and, I, and our culture is like, is that way, right? Everybody's so fucking happy. Everyone's on Instagram and on Facebook showing you how perfect their lives are. Of course you're depressed. (laughs) You know, and I think my baseline is like cautiously happy or cautiously optimistic. Like I'm more of like, uh, maybe it's just my upbringing, the Eastern blockiness. I'm always waiting for that other shoe to drop as much as I work hard to mitigate that thing in therapy and (laughs) meditation, but it's always, it just is. And I think if you accept that about yourself and don't fight it, like, look, uh, I'm not, I'm not Susie Sunshine, dude. Like, and and you're not going to get that when you, you come to me. Like, it's just not going to be my, my personality. And that personality is not championed in, in the culture right now. I think there was a time when it was okay to not be like, hi, everything's amazing. Um, I think that was like some, sometime in the 80s it became okay to be cranky. Like you have your people in popular culture like Woody Allen uh, who was perpetually anxious and cranky and referring to Nietzsche and doing all these existential jokes or whatever. Um, Richard Lewis, that comedian was also very anxious and Janine Garofalo was dark and that was like acceptable, but it's not acceptable right now because nobody wants to think about shit, uh, which is why we have fucking Trump and Clinton <laughs> running for president because everyone's checked out because I think nine eleven was heavy and Americans don't deal with heavy and, um, we prefer to be a little bit checked out. We like our TVs. We like our couches. We, I do. I know I do. I love my fucking... I got a frat boy couch, electric recliner. You better get your life. I come home and I sit on my electric recliner. And I love it. It's a good life. So, there you go. Uh, and I, yeah, uh, I am more comfortable wallowing in sadness sometimes. And then I realize how victim-y that is. 
because that that is a victimy woe is me thing after a while like i think you should mourn or be sad for as long as is uh appropriate which is a day maybe where i'm in a funk like that and then i pull out of it usually after that it's just it's masturbatory and it's annoying and you're annoying everybody and you're fucking bumming everybody out (laughs) you're annoying and you're bumming everybody out so you know stop being all fucked up and shit yeah they think you're a big fucking deal i know you're not i know you're not uh so there you don't have to be happy just fucking just do something to not be annoying okay here we go uh this uh, speaking of heavy so here we go let's let's get let's go even deeper that was the uh that was just scraping the surface and now we're going to get all deep here we go this is from sheldon and uh hold on let me see what he says in the present okay he he says that he likes episode 28 memory in the present after listening for the third time i wanted to email you um, how, how the fuck did you just describe my life? Like I am codependent, tons of anxiety and trauma from growing up around gangs, people being killed. I found out what my dad did to my mom and I saw a video of it, then tried to kill him. I was 10 ish and I was very emotional and impulsive child. And my closest friend since age seven, by the way, we're 22 now is the exact same. And what's worse is she's a nurse, constantly seeing trauma, and I'm a composer, constantly recreating trauma. I was always very different from everyone. My emotional state allowed me to feel so deeply about everything. I love to learn multiple instruments, and I spoke somewhat properly, and these are demeaned where I'm from. But now I think the memories are repressing my ability to coincide with my emotions and capture the essence of beauty or even look for it. And as most people know, can't really have music without those qualities. So now my music is tremendously compromised. I'm fucked. Starting to wonder why I'm all fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Well. You want to know why you're all fucked up? Uh, well, you're fucked up, my love, because you grew up uh, around a lot of bullshit. A lot of trauma, right? Like, it sounds like there's a lot of, uh, you grew up with a lot of assholes doing dumb shit around a little kid. So you carry around a lot of stuff from the past and it affects your present, right? Right. Oh, um, okay. And you know what my answer is going to be. You know what I'm going to tell you because uh, if you have trauma and you're walking around, you got to see a shrink, bro. You got to fucking, you got to talk to somebody, a professional, not just listen to podcasts, go out, find us a person to talk to about these things, man. You know, otherwise it haunts you. And guess what? If you don't deal with this, you're going to grow up and repeat the same bullshit that your parents did to you. You're going to do it to your kids. You're going to marry some asshole. Okay. This is why you're fucking poor. Yeah. So don't, don't, uh, don't make the same mistakes as your parents. You're young. You're 22 years old. Now is the time to get your ass on a therapist's couch and work out these issues before you fuck up your life. You hear me? Do it. God damn it. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So here's the thing in relation to your music, do not panic about that stuff. Um, I think if you're a creative person, you know that it uh, ebbs and flows. There are seasons. There are peaks and valleys. There are times when you're very inspired and something comes out of you that you don't even know where it came from. Uh, And then there's also a gestation period, right? There's a time when nothing's going on in your brain. And I used to panic 
oh my God, I'm not thinking of funny shit. I got to, I got to force it. Don't worry. You know what that means? It means you're tired. It means you're working through something and you need to take a break. You need to go to the zoo. You need to go to the park. You need to go for a walk. You need to go to the beach. You need to clear your head. Do whatever it is and live life a little bit and then you'll see it'll come out again. It'll come out again. But don't panic. It's just life. Life is cycles, right? Life is cycles. You know what's really cool about a woman's uh, menstrual cycle, by the way, is that it's kind of nature's way of telling you to chill out. It's like, uh, you know, it's so funny. I'm, I'm always, uh, I've always asked other women, like, hey, when you have your period, do you feel weird, self-conscious, tired? Do you feel like not doing anything? And some women have no problem pushing through it. Oh, like that swimmer. She in the Olympics, uh, she was like, "Oh, I got my period. I have cramps, and so I didn't perform as well." And I was like, "Fucking finally, finally, somebody's going to acknowledge that it really it kind of fucks with you, right? This biological thing, and and the reason is that it's it's life is cycles. There's weeks where you need to shut the fuck up and just calm down and rest. You got to rest. You have to honor the rest so that you can ramp it up again and become creative and do your shit." Uh, but yeah, there's not one without the other. So just chill, man. Don't worry about it. Get your ass into trauma uh, therapy. And that's good that you feel things deeply. You should feel things deeply. You should be uh, You should be empathetic. It's good. It's good for you. Good for you, Sheldon. Uh, it sucks. It sucks to come from such a fucked up background, you know. It's not your fault. And you know, you know what sucks about coming from a place that you do is that, you know, all, all these a-holes around you killing people and acting the way they do, they're fine, <laughs> right? They're not the ones that have to deal with the the suffering and the depression and the anxiety and the trauma. You do, my love. You're, you inherit all the baggage from these poor decisions. And I really hope that you break the cycle and get help and stop, stop it, stop it from going forward. It's your responsibility as a conscious being, I think, it really is. If you're listening to this show, you're a conscious fucking being. You're not a surface dweller. You're not, a, you know, you're, you're not a bullshit person. I really don't think you can be and tolerate what the fuck I'm saying to you. So it's your responsibility. You, you want to you wanna live with your head up your ass your whole life and you want to keep making the same mistakes. You want to live the life your parents had? Go ahead. Or you can be, be a fucking a, a warrior and knuckle up man up, go into therapy, deal with your shit, face your bullshit, face your demons, face the trauma, cry a little bit, feel uncomfortable, and get over it. And get over yourself, man. Anyway, that's... Yeah. It's my two Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Yeah. Don't hang out with losers either, man. Don't hang out with fucking losers. Ah! All right. Are you ready to get deeper? Here we go. Now that was pretty deep. And then this one, he gets deeper. I almost wept when I read this one. I cried a little bit. I did. Okay. Um, okay. Hi, mommy. Hi, my wife and I have been trying to start a family for three years. We're two ladies. So it's not as simple as wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, for us to begin with. You know what, what you would think, right? You'd be like, oh, two, two women. That must be rad, right? <laughs> not necessarily. It's funny because... You can have problems with fertility and stuff when you're like 20. It doesn't matter necessarily. It's not necessarily an age thing. Uh, you, can, you can have problems as a young lady. Here we go. Ah, I drink my coffee. We went to multiple adoption classes 
and drop the idea every single time because although we want to someday adopt, our hearts were set on having biological babies of our own. Um, okay, hold on. She, they moved on to fertility treatments, which, as you know, are a pain in the ass. After multiple office visits and doctors, doctor switches, not to mention $10,000 down the drain. I know. Isn't it? It's ridiculous how much like IVF costs and all this horseshit. We finally decided to take up our friend's offer and did the old turkey baster method at home. Very good. It worked on the first try. We were so overjoyed and complete and everything was perfect in life. Although my wife was the one carrying, I felt like the baby, Bruno, was my soulmate. I knew that moment my wife got pregnant, even though she didn't believe she had. I knew it was a boy from the moment he was conceived. He was meant to be in my life. I just knew it. Five months in, we lost him. Ugh. My wife's placenta was weakened due to multiple bleed scars in the beginning of her pregnancy. And one night... Oh, multiple bleed scares, sorry, in the beginning of her pregnancy. And one night when we were both getting home from work, her water bag fell out and we rushed to the ER. Bruno came three days later on Thanksgiving Day. It was the most brutal experience either one of us have gone through. And let me tell you, we've gone through a lot. I can't even imagine. My heart goes out to you. Well, fast forward to June of this year and we're both knocked up. We were so empty without our Bruno that we both decided to keep shooting up the goods until one of us became pregnant. We would have never imagined it would work for the two of us at the same time. (laughs) You'd think we'd be elated and over the moon, right? Well, it's actually been pretty dark for the two of us since then. I'm not feeling the connection I did with Bruno, and she is terrified that we won't get to bring these babies home either. Disclosure, everything is beyond well for the two of us. She had surgery where they sewed up her uterus so nothing would fall out this time, and we've nicknamed the baby I'm carrying Baby Buffalo because nothing affects him. I didn't know any better. If I didn't know any better, I'd be convinced I'm not pregnant. I do not feel pregnant at all. I feel like I'm just an emotionless vessel that's gained a few pounds and has some food aversions, but that's about it. Don't get me wrong. We acknowledge that we've been double blessed with the second opportunity with our rainbow babies. Oh, yes, I know what that means. That means you conceive a child after the death of of a child. We are excited about being two mommies with two babies, but it's still hard to get into the mentality that we're bringing our babies home. My wife finally made a counseling appointment, hallelujah, and I've been meditating, getting Reiki to help me through this, but no matter what, we're still freaked out. All right. All right. Mariel. Mariel. Um, man, I, uh, I, my heart goes out to you guys. That is, God, I'm like crying now even thinking about that. Uh, it's terrible. Uh, losing a baby. I mean, I, I had a couple of miscarriages myself, but not, not far along. It was like the beginning, and I I just think that um, you know once you have a loss, you have a really hard time trusting that everything's going to be okay. And I I think I was like you guys when I was pregnant with Ellis, where I was like it just didn't feel real. I didn't believe that everything was cool until he was in my arms, and then even then. When he was in my arms, I wasn't convinced that he was going to hang around. I was convinced that it would end and that something tragic would happen. And and um, I think just now, actually, I'm like, okay, he's he's around for good. Like this is going to this person is going to grow up to be an adult and live and thrive, and everything is okay. So 
I mean, at least from my own experience, it sounds like you guys are haven't grieved the loss of uh, your first child. And, you know, interestingly enough, this kind of coincides with Sheldon's email about having the past affect your present. So because the past is not properly dealt with, right, because we, sounds like you guys are still grieving. And, and I don't know, does, it, does anyone ever get over the loss of a child? I don't know. I don't, I, I can't imagine. But because that grieving is not completed, it's, you know, it affects the present moment. And not only that, you guys are both full of hormones, so you're naturally, you could feel flatter than normal. I felt flatter. I felt depressed. I felt uh, emotionally flatter, I mean. And, uh, you know, you're also pregnant, so you're fucked up. You're totally fucked up right now. If nothing makes sense, up is down, down is up. You're emotional, you're crazy. So g- give yourself a break here. Cut yourself some slack. Uh, you're going through a very traumatic thing even though it doesn't seem like it is pregnancy is really traumatic and and um and confusing and scary and not normal it is not natural and normal to create a person <laughs> i don't know why the cop the culture makes it seem like that's a normal thing uh it's totally weird and bizarro and and yeah, look, this is from what I what I went through having a couple of miscarriages. I felt the same way. I wasn't happy about Ellis until I passed um, second trimester, until I was really, 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 really sure that all systems were go. And you know what? It sounds like you guys are all systems are go. If you're telling me that everything is beyond well for the two of you, then let's let's step into the present. Okay, then let's be in the moment and let's acknowledge, hey, hooray, everything's great. We had that shitty thing happen, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen again. It most likely won't. Most likely it won't. I mean, the odds of it going down exactly the same way twice, it's probably not going to happen. So let's get into the now. And baby buffalo, great. Man, that, I know. But listen, my kid was healthy as a horse. He's a beast. He's as big as a one-year-old. The doctor tells me he's as tall as a one-year-old. He's a beast. He's a beast. And I was constantly worried that I would lose him too. So very normal, very normal. And congratulations and enjoy it. Enjoy these last few months of, uh, of, uh, of each other because you're going to have two little ones pretty soon. And that's going to be even crazier. <laughs> you guys are in for it. But um, I don't know. Love each other. Love the pregnancy as much as you can. Try not to worry. That's stupid, but you can't. You can't. Anyways, go to counseling, right? That's the answer to all this shit. I don't know. I can only theorize on things. I can only philosophize on shit, but I ain't no fucking therapist. You know that, right? I only talk about my experience. That's all I can I can um I can come from. Okay. Now let's lighten things up a little bit. This is really funny because this next emailer, we uh, we shared a picture and his email he wrote into your mom's house and he asked if, asked us if his jeans were lame. And um oh I should post a picture of the jeans. Sorry guys, I forgot to do that. But so they were like the wash was fine. I remember the picture they were like a darker shade of denim, but they were rolled up and they looked really loose fitting on him. And as you know, at your mom's house, we don't tolerate uh, low and loose 
fit. Oh, no, sorry. You can see it on YouTube. It's on the last episode. Episode, I think, was it 361? Um, we show a picture of his jeans. And so, anyway, he wrote to me. His name is John. Hi, Christina. You recently ridiculed my rolled jeans with your husband on your other podcast. I sure did. <laughs> While taking my jeans to the tailor, it got me thinking about why we put so much thought energy into altering our appearance to suit the taste of others. I probably haven't cared about my aesthetic appearance since I was a freshman in college, but now I find myself dressing about stressing about my professional appearance and now my private slash personal appearance. Now that my girlfriend and I are spending limited time together, it's job stuff, not I hate you stuff. He writes in parentheses. I ordered these new cool jeans so that I'd look cool when we went out. She rolled them up for me and I kept them that way because I, for some reason, thought it looked cool. I probably never did but decided it was cool because she did it to me. I probably liked the attention slash care and didn't even like the rolled jeans. <laughs> and that's the truth. But you know what? I'm so glad that you have a woman to take care of you. Those jeans weren't as bad. Don't worry. We were just shitting on you. In, in a your mom's house context, you know, we like our jeans high and tight on YMH. We do not tolerate loose fitting or rolled jeans. So that's why you got shit on my man. Just know that. <laughs> it's not personal. Okay, so here's the question. Why do we put so much energy into physical appearance? Why do dads try and stay cool even though it is way okay if they aren't? Why is there so much pressure, especially for women, to try and keep up with a style trend since dudes' rooms smell like, quote, common bananas and clearly don't really care about that stuff? Now, common bananas, um, that's my reference from that episode of Your Mom's House because I'm, I've smelled many a single man's home and it smells like coming bananas. A lot of single men, they don't care, and they, their place stinks. Okay, so why? I'll tell you what. Why do we put so much energy into physical appearance? Well, because human beings, for the most part, have the only priorities are uh, avoiding pain, seeking pleasure, and getting laid. I'm pretty sure those are Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh Avoid suffering and get laid. So we have to find a mate. We have to be attractive. And I think that's why we do. Um, okay, and, and why is there pressure on women? Well, my man. <laughs> that shit goes back centuries. <laughs> to ancient Chinese foot binding. To, uh, well, because women are... We're in heterosexual relationships, right? We are the the jewel to the man's crown um, in history, right? Men's burden is to have a lot of money, be strong and protective. And women's thing is to reproduce, to be the bearer of his children. And, and how do we do that? Well, we have to be the hottest to get picked by the strongest, the fastest, and the wealthiest. So I think that just comes from human shit from centuries and centuries of evolution. Uh, you know, we are the peacocks fanning fanning our feathers, our plumage, and you guys pick us dependent on our plumage, which is why looks are important from a biological reproductive standpoint. Now, why in 2016 does this stuff matter? Uh, I, I, may I direct you to Naomi Wolf? The beauty myth a book written in the 90s that is pretty much the manifesto on on why women feel like shit 
all the time and why physical beauty standards are impossible for us to meet. Basically, I mean, we all have eating disorders and cosmetic surgery, and we spend millions of dollars on makeup to meet a standard that the media puts forward that is practically impossible. And now with with social media, uh, it's gotten even worse because there are Instagram models and people that put themselves out there. And what you don't realize is that, you know, it's filters, it's filter upon filter, it's people touching the shit up. Very few people look as great as in real life as they do on their social media posts. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, it goes back to the media and it's really in essence a way to sell you shit, right? That's what, that's what advertising does. They make you feel inferior. Like you need their stuff to feel better. And that's how the cosmetics industry functions and the fashion industry and all this horse shit, uh, to make you think you need it. Now, what's really interesting and I think really great is that men are now feeling the shame and feeling the burden of of being attractive all the time. It's wonderful. Good. I I think everyone should have the pressure. (laughs) In fact, I advocate shaming men for their looks. A lot of the times my husband watches these ESPN shows and these goddamn droopy dogs are commentators, right? These assholes sitting behind the desk talking about football for four hours at a time. How come the women are like 20 years old and they're all blonde and hot and these assholes, these guys are all old as shit. Uh, They look like they're on death's door and they're allowed on television. But, you know, God forbid fucking Barbara Walters is a little bit over the hill and she can't be on TV or Katie Couric or whatever the fuck has to cut her face up to feel normal. So I advocate uh, male shaming in the media. I advocate shaming unattractive men that put themselves out in the media as like uh, public figures to kind of level the playing field. Uh, I like to do it on your mom's house a little bit on the down low. I don't know if you've noticed, but I do. (laughs) Uh, I think, you know, if they're going to shame us, we got to shame back a little bit. Um, But it is happening now where dudes are feeling the pressure. And uh, doesn't it feel like shit? John, to have your clothes criticized, didn't that feel horrible? (laughs) That's how women feel every day. And there's no right way to dress, by the way. There's no, you should be sexy, but not too sexy. Uh, You should dress your age, but you're still forever 21. Don't forget, you have to be cool, but not too cool. Uh, There's a million ways to fuck up your image. It's it's a, a horrible thing. Now, what's interesting is that Alicia Keys recently decided to not wear makeup And I think that is really cool, really revolutionary. She's on the billboard for that show, The Voice, which is which is funny because they put her in the back. (laughs) I don't know if you noticed this, but Miley, who's made up, is in the foreground and Alicia is in the background. They're like, hide this makeupless bitch's face from the public. Now, I don't know if that is a racial thing, if that's a racist thing or if it's a a non makeup thing, maybe a little bit of both. I don't know. But uh, I thought that was pretty funny that she stopped wearing makeup and they're like, okay, you're on the show, but you know, she already signed the contract. Fuck, we can't get rid of Alicia Keys. She's what? She's off makeup. Wow, wow. too late now. <laughs> you know, I, I I love her. I commend her for that. But bitch, wait until you turn 40 and you tell me if you don't, if you're still off the makeup because God knows, I, you know, I used to be anti makeup, anti all of these trappings of femininity until I turn 40 and now I need all of it. I need 
all of it all the time. I, there's not a day that I don't put under eye concealer on. I'm fucking tired. I'm old and I'm tired. <laughs> I got my teeth whitened. I bleach my hair. I, uh, I put makeup on. I, I might do Botox again. I've done it once. I'm a little afraid of it. I don't, I'm not convinced that injecting botulism in your face has zero consequences, okay? I know that's what they tell you, but what's going to happen is 20 years from now, when all us old bitches' faces are rotting off, they're going to go, well, yeah, what did you think? Injecting botulism into your face was a good idea? <laughs> don't, don't listen to the FDA or whoever just because they say it's safe now. We don't know what the repercussions are, okay? 50 years of injections into your face and filler. You don't know what the fuck that's going to do. Don't tell me that ain't doing nothing. <sighs> but, uh, yeah, there you go. Women are pressured because, A, it makes money. There's businesses dependent on us feeling like shit all the time. And, B, it's an old societal thing. It's just since the dawn of time, women are ornamentations. Yeah. It's too bad because I see a lot of really beautiful people and I see it in the younger girls and I hate, I, it really makes me sad how much it, energy it does take to be hot all the time. It takes so much energy to worry about being hot. It really does. And I'm not, I'm not immune to it, dude. Like I, you know, I try to dress this pig up as much as possible. I'm always, I want to maintain, you know, and I used to be against this stuff, but it really is a dignity thing. Like I just want to look the best I can right now. I, you know, you do feel better when you're just a little dolled up. Like I just, I don't wear heels and it's not a political statement. It's just a comfortable, I can't, I don't even know how women do it. I, I wore heels the other night for dinner with my husband and I wore it for two hours and I was ready to blow my brains out because I can't walk. I never, I never inherited that gene of hurting yourself to look good and I know and they look amazing and I commend any woman that can do it but I cannot I just go out of my mind with with pain and misery of that shit but uh but man they look good heels do look good they really do <clears throat> there's a lot of stuff I can't I just can't it hurts it's too painful <laughs> it's too painful yeah, Naomi Wolf the beauty myth check that shit out man there's a lot of books written about that um, but yeah, but men are, men are going to get it too. Men are getting it too, which is really exciting. And that is a direct result of social media. Uh, they're now being scrutinized and it's fabulous. Good. Let it happen. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll realize none of it fucking matters, but beauty, beauty is a, um, a gift. It really is. It is a gift that should be maintained. If you got it and you're lucky and you know, you're blessed. Good for you. Good for yeah. All right. I got to go. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to have lunch with uh, Allison Rosen right now. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Mm-hmm. That's right. We did a podcast together. We did her show. I did her show. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. And guess what? In real life, we're friends. So we're going to go out for lunch. We're going to talk about all kinds of shit. And, uh, and that's it. All right. Well, have a great week. You guys email me. That's deeprowpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, have a deep ass week. Get your ass into therapy. Meditate. Do your fucking work. Don't be a pussy. Don't 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 be afraid of feelings. They're just feelings, right? I know. I only tell you guys because I have to remind myself. <laughs> <laughs> Come see me do stand up at a live show. Uh, 
Yeah, buy a mattress from Sotva Mattress Company. Oh, fuck. Do your Amazon shopping shopping using my banner. That's the bro podcast at gmail.com. Click on the banner. Uh, every blog post, there's a little banner. Do your shopping as you normally would. Helps the show. Blah, blee, blah, blue, blee, blah. All right, I'm starving. I'm going to go meet Allison. Have a wonderful week. Um, until then, until next week, it's been Deep Bros. Philosophize with Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.